0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome, or should I say welcome back, to the Indie Football Podcast. I am Ed Malian, um, long returning after, after two weeks' absence uh, as your host, sports editor of The Independent, and alongside me, uh, the two Jacks. I don't know what better way to describe you. Jack Austin, to my left. Hello, Pride of Wales and the Pride of Peckham to my right, Jack Pitbrook. Hi, Ed, how are you doing? I'm not so bad. Pride of Peckham or Pride of Salisbury? I'm not sure. I mean, second most famous thing to come out of Salisbury uh, in recent times. It's good to have you back on the podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Two excellent episodes while I was away. How was your time away? Um, I had a brilliant time. Uh, Obviously, I would have rather been at work um, slaving away, but I had an excellent time in in South America, saw some excellent things, Um, had some excellent fun. And some good beef, um, but I won't bore everyone with that. Um, until later on in the podcast. Until later <laughs> on in the podcast, yeah. So it's International Week, which means uh, there's nothing interesting happening whatsoever. And um, we were going to talk about the friendlies, Jack. Uh, I'll give you a short period. I, I just said Jack, and no one knows which Jack I'm talking to. I'll give you a short period now to air any thoughts you have about any international friendlies over the last few days. Go.
2: Spain need a better striker than Rodrigo Moreno.
1: Okay, good one. Other Jack?
0: um the kits look good kits
1: look good (laughs) Uh, yeah that's the sort of in-depth analysis i was hoping for today Uh, i'm gonna say i liked kyle walker on the right of a back three i I think against that rubbish netherlands team it might not be something that we see like kind of you're you're not getting the best out of it against a a crap side. however If you're up against an elite front line where you want, one, the extra man as cover in a back three, and two, you want to have someone with with real pace to counteract what, you know, really good players. Like, if we were up against Argentina, would I want to see Carl Walker on the right of a back three? Yeah, probably, because I want someone with pace.
2: One of the best City performances I've seen this season was away at Stamford Bridge in September when City won 1-0. And instead of playing the normal 4-3-3, Pep played a kind of lopsided 3-4-3 with Walker in in that exact role on the right of the back three, which... Which was really helpful in terms of stopping Azard, but it also meant that, you know, Walker could go and attack and join in with De Bruyne, who was playing on a kind of like inside right position, and then Sterling, who was playing on the far on the right of the front three. So it was, it, it, he was. So Walker has already played in that position. and yeah, He did yeah. it really, really well. So I think it's a clever move from Southgate.
1: Uh, I mean, uh, that was one of the most dominant performances I've seen all season from any team. That Manchester City win at Stamford Bridge. So uh, I liked that. Um, I'll also add Argentina, Italy. I think we've seen Argentina are a way better side than Italy, and Argentina are nowhere near finished. I'm going to write a piece today about how there is a slight concern that San Paulo isn't bringing it all together in time for the World Cup, Jack. Any more thoughts from you?
0: Uh, no, I would agree with the Argentina comment. I think that it may just be a slightly too soon for them. Um, uh, Wales? Well, they in China Cup action, bigger than the World Cup. People bigger might bigger than the World
1: Cup. Though. Many have said that. Many have said that. Um, I mean, Uruguay out there. Uruguay are a to keep an eye on. Um, we will be, uh, just as a little spoiler, we'll be going to be ranking every World Cup team in order or perceived likelihood uh, of winning the entire thing. I've got uh, a top 16 from Johnny, who's in Amsterdam, still with England, uh, still raking through the, uh, the wreckage of that performance, um, I think, or just enjoying a nice weekend away. Uh, so before we get started with that, um, I did actually just want to refer to France-Colombia. Did you see that? No. Okay, that's annoying. France-Colombia. Um, France's 1st half performance was everything that you'd expect them to be in terms of they were brilliant, out the gate dominant. They've got probably the best depth, I think, apart from Spain and Germany. Uh, no, I think they're as, as deep as Germany of any team. But the way they crumbled is so déchamp. And I think that's why, and there's a little spoiler, I've got them fifth in our power rankings so do you want to go from 32 to 1 or 1 to 32 i think the more interesting discussion is to be had in that top 16 but the bottom 16 is harder to do because it's difficult to decipher who should be where so where do you want to start top or bottom i think we should start at one because okay, i start at one we've got i've also got ones from johnny uh who obviously can't be with us and miguel also miguel has and so this is his top five Spain, Argentina, Brazil, Germany, France. Johnny has Spain, Brazil, Germany, France, Argentina. I have Brazil, Spain, Germany, Argentina, France. So everyone has the same five
2: teams in a different order. What would you have, JPB? I'd have Brazil, Spain, France, Argentina, Germany. And
1: why would you have...
2: So why have you got I've got also got Brazil first. Why do you have Brazil ahead of everyone else? Um experience. They've got with the exception of in goal, where they've got two very good keepers in Allison and Edison, they've got they've got top level experience in every position on the pitch. Like they're they're it's not very different from the team from the team from four years ago, except for the fact that they're all more mature. Neymar, if he's fit, is probably a better player. They've got Gabriel Jesus, uh Coutinho's the best he's ever been. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the defensive and midfield positions, you know, Fernandinho, Willian, Casemiro, uh, Thiago Silva, Miranda, Dani Alves, Marcelo. It's such, like a str- it's such a strong, powerful got team of winners. Uh, ex-
1: two excellent players for most positions. Yeah. Like left back, Marcelo gets injured. Okay, Alexandro, £70 right, right. million pound left back can come in. They've got immense depth. They've got immense talent, like elite talent in the first eleven anyway. And for the first time in many, many years, they've got a proper coach in gj yeah. who i think uh is the difference here for me i think he might be one of the coaches best coaches at the tournament if not the best coach at the tournament so um i do have them one uh jack austin would you have who would you have number one i'd have brazil win you as well brazil i think
0: one. i think they've come a lot more mature than they have been in previous tournaments and also <clears throat> a number of brazilian players have started out in russia and they've got a lot of experience in playing in these conditions, which I think a lot of other countries don't particularly have.
1: Yeah. If you take some of those guys that were at Shakhtar and, and whatever, I think it could help. I mean, I don't I don't think many players are going to have difficulty adapting to Russia in the summer. I think the weather should be fine, but there is something to be said for it. Uh, I have Spain second. Um, Johnny has Spain over Brazil. Miguel has Spain, then Argentina, then Brazil. So what do we think about Spain? Um, Lopetegui, I think is the right man because they've got a really talented 21 group who he's brought through into the, the first team, but he has failed at club level. So um, what do we think is about them? Apart
2: from, I mean, what you've already pointed out is centre-forward is still their weakness. Yeah, I mean, I watched the I actually watched their game against Germany instead of the England game on Friday evening, um, which makes me sound like a bit of a Ramona. Right. But <laughs> I thought they were, like, as <laughs> you would expect, they were so good in midfield, because like, they had Silva, Iniesta, Koke, Tiago and one other in Sol. midfield. Uh, yeah. I actually can't remember, but they were uh, obviously they they kept the ball really well. M- Moreno put them one 0 up with a, a good run to get on t- onto an Iniesta pass. But ultimately, you always feel with that Spain team like they played their best stuff when they had David Villa up front or Torres as yeah. an alternative or perhaps as a partner. And since then, they've been, you know, Costa is... If they can get Costa fit, he's obviously a great addition to the team, even though he didn't really do anything in the he's 2014 never, World he's Cup. never fit into that Spain team. Yeah, Alvaro Morata. Like, <laughs> Murata could be good, but even then, he's never going to have that kind of inc- incision that that David Villa had. Um, they've got, you know, they've, they've also got the best keeper in the world by a distance, and they've got Pique and Ramos. Um, so you can... I can't see how they would screw it up. I can't see them going out early. But I... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's the firepower up front that just gives Brazil over Spain the edge for me.
1: Well, I've got the tough group with Portugal in there. You know, that, that's the, that's the one potential slip up. Um, the best striker in the qualifying for the Euros was Paco Alcacer, who's obviously now at, at Barcelona and hasn't scored in about five years. It feels like, but it was just having a poacher. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the best striker they had. Diego Costa and Alvaro Morata were probably b- better centre forwards, but Paco was a finisher, and and there was kind of an element of they had all these build up guys, Iniesta and whoever but they didn't have a guy who could finish. And I, I wonder if they're still lacking that. Um, there's a bit of a quibble between Germany and Argentina in three and four, Jack, uh, If Jack, sorry, Jack Austin. If you'd like to kind of pick that one away for us.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, for me, I actually wouldn't even have Argentina as fourth. I'd probably have um, France ahead of them because from what we said before, I'm not convinced that they're the team that everybody thinks they are on paper. Argentina. Um, this is, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, so I, I would say Germany is, are the third best team there. Um, I think
1: Messi looks so on it right now, if Messi's playing in this form with even an average performing Argentina team behind him, they can't be outside the top four or five teams, can they?
0: No, but how many times has he gone into a major tournament before on this form or even better and yeah. failed to live up to expectations? I actually
2: disagree. I think this is certainly the best Messi since 2015 and arguably the best Messi since like 2012. I, th- I think he—he, he, you know, it talks about uh, dependence
1: on Messi in different clubs uh, different not different clubs the same club but different teams within Barcelona obviously the Valverde system he's got a completely different role to what he has but I feel like their dependence on him is actually possibly greater than it's ever been yeah definitely um, he is you know the arch creator as well as the arch goal scorer um, my fear is I'm not sure Sampaoli's bringing this together quick enough I think what he did with, with Chile was remarkable but You've got to caveat that by the fact that he had a lot more time with Chile. He had several tournaments with them. And he also um, had previously managed Universidad de Chile in the Chilean league. And a lot of those players were in the Chilean national team. So they were players who knew his system and knew him and worked well with him. And he fitted players around them. You know, he prioritized players that had played with that club side with him. He's come in pretty late into the qualifying campaign at a time when they just needed results. They had to win those games to just scrape into qualifying rather than uh, really putting a focus on on the play, which is you know his big thing. Like he's like a Bielsa disciple. It's all about the the shape and the system. So he hasn't got a long time to really hammer this into them. And I think whether it's dogmatic or not, leaving out Akadi and DiBALO would be unforgivable. I think you can't leave players that good out of your squad by choice. And it's almost certainly what he's going to do now. So I think that damages their chances. But I do have. Wh- him why is runs. he going to do that? There is some sort of thought that DiBala and Messi tread on each other's toes. Uh, but it, it, you know, for me, it's like, okay, fine. Well, you don't have to start the guy, but say Messi gets injured, who else would you want to bring in? You know, So you're going to have to play with just Higuain on his own and then like another find another midfielder like Diego Perotti or someone. Like, Of course, you'd rather have DiBala as a backup to Messi, even if you think they can't play together. You have to have them as a backup. Um, Mauro Cardi, I think, has had plenty of uh, personal concerns, off-the-field concerns. And um, the way he's gone about his life, which is, it has damaged his reputation in Argentina and stuff. He's obviously super famous in Argentina. He's like a tabloid superstar. But um, the fact that Wanda re- repre- represents him as well, like she's kind of not helping this whole situation. But I'd have them ahead of France because I don't trust
2: Didier Deschamps. How, do I, how was the feeling on Didier Deschamps in the room? Um, I don't think he's great. I think that he was arguably fortunate to survive blowing the final of, of Euro 2016. Which they obviously should have won. Um, I think that they, d- I mean, the depth of talent they have is also remarkable. I think there's an argument that France is now, and e- even arguably greater Paris, is has surpassed Brazil as like the best produ- mass mm-hmm. producer of high quality footballers in the world. Like it's remarkable, really, the, the players that they wouldn't have in the team.
1: Well, they were kind of resisting putting Lamar and Mbappe because they had such a good team already. And then now you've got the the kids at Lyon coming through, uh, Alouar his name is, and um, Fekir Fekir is still really good. So it's like, how do you find space for all these players? There's so many talented players there. But you know, Deschamps uh, has failed what twice now at major tournaments. Um, do you think they're better than Portugal though, Jack?
0: Yeah, I think they're better than Portugal. I think the I think for me yeah. the one thing stopping them from being included in the top three best teams is Deschamps. But I still think they're is a big gap between the top five and the rest. Uh, I think that like we were talking about their strength in depth and their options, even off the bench, is just uh, any other team would love to have someone like the problem of, can we fit Lamar into the team or Mbappe?
1: And, and Lamar played really well the other night. A, a former manager, a former player playing in Deschamps once told me that they were on a European away trip and uh, they're flying back from the Champions League game and it was going through a storm and lots of players were scared and one of the players looked to the other and was like, why aren't you worried? And he goes, it's fine. Deschamps on board. And the idea is basically he's the luckiest man alive. Like he was the water carrier in that France 98 team. He's been handed basically title winning league teams before. And and he's been handed the greatest generation in in French football history, possibly more talented than the 98 team, they think, in terms of depth. And he's not doing anything with it. Portugal sixth, I've got. Absolutely agree with that. Belgium in seventh. So Belgium, obviously in the same group as England. They're ranked second in the world, which I know doesn't mean much. They've got Roberto Martinez, which some people might see as a negative, but I think isn't un- like an indisputable upgrade on Mark Wilmot. So where do you stand on the Belgians? I've got Johnny's list here. Johnny has them sixth, which is... Uh, he's got them ahead of Portugal. We've got them behind Portugal. Uh, what say you, JPB?
2: Um, I'm I'm kind of bullish about Belgium's chances. Like Martinez obviously eventually failed at Everton, but he's... I think he's still got a lot of credit in the bank from Wigan Athletic. I think that often in international football, what you need is like someone with a vision. At, yeah, someone, someone with a vision, a clear way of playing, and like the ability to infuse the players about following what he wants them to do. And yeah, like they they're not going to be that great at the back, but if you can find if you can find a way to make those guys click together, then you've suddenly got like the one of the strongest teams in the whole competition.
1: The hard thing, in international football, they say, you know, is creating. Good complex attacking play. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, what, that. You could w- be doing that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, completely. Like um, in a way which obviously Wilmots never could do because he wasn't a good enough coach. Whereas Martinez, like the one thing that we know Martinez is good at, is getting like a bunch of kind of like t- disparate players to yeah. play good attacking football together. Like that's how he kept wigging up time after He's time. He's still
1: got defensive talent, you know. He he, I think has as a reputation as someone who can't organise a defence, basically from how things fell apart in the Premier League for him, but if, if his back line looks something along the lines of, I don't know, Alderweireld and Vertonghen centre-backs, you'd have to say. I, I think it'll be do you uh, play
0: Toby Company and Vertonghen as a back three.
1: As a back three. I mean, it's quite, it's still quite special <laughs>
0: as, a, as a back three. I think in international football, scoring is probably the hard, most difficult thing, and he's got the players who can do that, and with his uh, attacking uh, tactics as a manager, that's what his team's gonna be geared towards, and with three defenders like that, three of the best centre backs in the last Premier League for the last five, ten years. He likes
1: possession, and he's gonna be dominating possession with someone like De Bruyne threading passes. I mean, you've got to think that they've got a, a pretty good chance. I, I, I might, I might stick him above Portugal.
0: I'd have. Him I think above Johnny Portugal. might,
1: Johnny might be right on that one. And the next team I have is Colombia, uh, who, who the others have way down, but I'm quite bullish on Colombia. Do you? either of you have any strong view on Colombia because obviously they were a great story at the last World Cup until it kind of, they got knocked out to Brazil, which is inevitable, I guess. But Falcao is back for this one and gives them the centre-four that they didn't have last time. Uh, James Rodriguez, four years on from being the best player at the World Cup, has had a very different four
0: years. Well, he's in- enjoyed a bit of a resurgence recently at Bayern Munich. At uh, Bayern
1: Munich, yeah. Well, I mean, he's playing, which is a good yeah. start. Um but where, you know, there's so much talent actually in that Colombian team, if you look at there's they've now got about 15, 16 players playing at top European clubs. Um, they could be that third best team in, in South America, do you think? Or or would you have someone like
2: Uruguay ahead of them? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen either Colombia or Uruguay play for a while. Um, I quite like the look, I mean, just looking at the players on paper, I like the look of the Colombia team, not least because they've also got Davinson Sanchez and Yerry Mina, I think, at Santa Barbara. Sanchez is an, an amazing player to watch. I lo- I love watching him play for Spurs because mm. he takes so many risks. Mm. Like there's always he's kind of good for a mistake every game, but th- you don't often see that many players who combine that athleticism with being that comfortable on the ball. Yeah, yeah. And willing to just take the ball in difficult circumstances and try and beat it <laughs> try and beat a striker with a bit of skill. He's quite special. Uh, yeah, uh, he is special. I
1: mean, you know, Barcelona bottled that deal that in that January to sign him. Uh he went to Ajax and ends up costing like five times as much. Um but I'd have Colombia in that mix. That, by the way, is the top eight. So this is that's what you'd expect from the quarterfinals. Yeah, Brazil, Spain, Germany, Argentina, France, Portugal, Belgium, Colombia. Uh, you might be wondering where England are. Um, where are Wales, Jack?
0: China at the yeah, moment. Yeah, that's right, didn't
1: qualify. Uh, <laughs> so nine, Croatia, that's a consensus pick. Croatia's midfield might be the best, or uh, certainly the top three in
2: the entire competition. Maybe, although I think Modric is probably passed his best this season's shown yeah that, I the think. suggestion this that he can't he certainly can't do it twice a week every week like he used to be able to do
1: but if you surround him with legs so if you've got Kovacic Badeli, uh, Brozovic these guys around him um they've got Perisic how riding. much is
2: Kovacic playing for Real?
1: he's actually done, played a decent amount he's mm. the guy they use quite often when uh they kind of want to if they want a man marker player if, so if you're playing against Barcelona and you want someone not just on Busquets the entire time, they pick Kovacic. He's the energetic guy who who gets around and, and will follow instructions pretty much to the letter. He's still incredibly young. Um, he's really good with the ball, obviously. He can, he can pick up the ball and kind of take it 20 yards without y- you blinking. Um, I think he's going to be a very good player. I think he's one of the players that when he first arrived, I wasn't sure if it was going to be one of those where he goes back on loan to Serie A after six months and you never see him again or if you could actually make it stick in Madrid.
2: Was he involved much at Euro 2016? I remember being quite under, a bit underwhelmed by no, Croatia I, when I, I saw y- them there. the
1: Euro 2016 campaign was a bit of a disaster. Um, I, I did a couple of I did one of their games their game against Turkey where there was a lot of the problem with the, the Ultras. Um, the Ultras bringing in fireworks and, and they were protesting the Croatian Football Federation uh, who, by all accounts, seem to not know what the hell they're doing. Um, they've got a lot of talent there, but Uh, the managers they've had before have struggled to fit it all in because I mean it is a lot of central midfielders as well that's the thing it's like how do you find a formation you play a diamond you want to play like five in the middle and pack the middle Mandzukic up front obviously gives you energy but is he going to give you perhaps the incisiveness that you want then if you play Kalinic you've got like a poacher sort of guy but maybe you haven't got the hard-working guy that you, you need to lead the line so I think they've got a lot of talent but I um, yet to kind of see them show anything that thinks that makes me think they could go all the way. I, I mean, their, their ceiling is probably quarterfinals. I think same-finals. if you look at
0: their their group as well, it's not the easiest group, and one slip could cost them Argentina, well, Iceland, Nigeria.
1: That group itself, probably one of the most interesting. I, is it, I downgraded Portugal a little bit because if you come second in that group, then they suddenly have a hard team in the, in the second round. Um, I've got England 10th, fair enough. Um, I'd probably have England, I might have England a few spots higher. Um, well, you know, they're the rules. On, uh, I think if you didn't get your British media memo, we have to build them up <laughs> first. Then course, we can knock them down um, in the same old way. So England 10th, which, so England basically are a borderline quarterfinal round of 16 team. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I'd say. So if England get knocked
2: out at that point, then everyone can be reasonable about it? I think if England get to the quarterfinals, people will say it was a good campaign. Obviously, like, if they were to lose to Iceland, it would be worse than if they were to lose to Brazil. But I think quarterfinals is a realistic aspiration. When well, you get to the
1: quarterfinals, you're going to be playing against a really good team. Right. We've looked at, you know, if, if it's any of those top eight sides that, and you get knocked out to Brazil, Spain, Germany, Argentina, France, Portugal, Belgium, Colombia, Croatia, you're going to be, OK, fair enough. You know, they're, they're all good teams.
2: Here's a cool fact. right
0: yeah i'd say quarterfinals you got to be happy with especially because this is a building tournament you'd say 90 percent of these players would be there for the next world cup and i think that's got to be southgate's and, main and i think goal. you can
2: even you can even see that in some of southgate's recent selections mm-hmm. yes. like he wouldn't have if he was focusing on on winning this tournament, or on fo- if he if he wanted to put all his eggs in the 2018 basket, he wouldn't have dropped Gary, G- Gary Cahill. But I suspect that he's dropped Gary Cahill in part because he's thinking, well, he's kind of all right now, but I, if I'm more interested in twenty in 2020, 2022, yeah. then that's why I'm, I'd rather have Maguire, Tarkovsky, whoever, instead of Cahill. And I think the same logic probably applies to, I was going to say Joe Hart, but I think Joe Hart's probably unpickable now. Uh, But maybe Chris Smalling, for example, or some other senior players Mm -hmm. who aren't getting a look in.
1: Uh, Interestingly, Johnny um, obviously loves Brexit or something because he's got England much lower down than us. Uh, Uruguay and Poland ahead of England.
2: Well, you're the Uruguay expert. I mean,
1: Uruguay, fine. Uruguay are interesting because they've always been a functional team under Tabarez. And they've always had this great forward line, especially when they had Forlan as well. Forlan, Cavani, Suarez was something great. You've got Cavani and Suarez. But they no longer have the hatchet man midfield. They've got some talented ball players in midfield. If anything, they might lack a little bit of bite. Um, There's a guy called Torero who's at um, Sampdoria, who they were really excited about. Everyone in Uruguay was really excited about coming into the team. Um, There's some other... I can't remember the forwards' name that uh, all the locals really want who plays in, in the Uruguayan league. Um, who's not in the squad. So I think he might miss out. But but Tabarez is one of the best coaches there as well. So I think they'll always outperform the fact that they're a country the size of Wales, like three million people or something. Um, I still wouldn't have them ahead of England. Poland
2: ahead of England. Uh, why do you think Johnny might have gone for that? Well, Poland should be quite well set up for it, tournament football in the sense that they're very well organised. They've got two banks of four. And then they've got one... O- I mean, Lewandowski's maybe slightly past his best, but they've, then they've got like a world-class number nine. And given how how tight the margins are in the international games, and they're not kind of high-scoring back and forths, simply having those ingredients ought to make you quite good. That said, I didn't think Poland were great in 2016. Uh, they weren't great in Euro 2012 either. They've not they've not quite they've not quite fulfilled the potential of those ingredients. I think in tournaments,
1: Mexico, Nigeria, that rounds out the top 16. You know, if that was the last 16, those they sound like Mexico and Nigeria teams that have. Been able to get through the groups, but never much further.
2: Well, like, Mexico are the greatest underperformers in international football. Like, they're a football-mad country of 120 million people. They've only reached the quarterfinals twice, and both of those were in tournaments that Mexico was hosting. Yeah. Like, so they've never even reached the quarters outside of Mexico, which is crazy, really, when you think about the talent pool, Liga MX, the passion, the kind of... They've produced good individuals, but maybe not quite as many good individuals as you'd expect. In terms of this tournament, well, I don't know. I mean, I think they've got enough... I think as ever, they've got enough talent to get there if they can get it together. You know, in terms of players who are currently doing well in Europe, you've got uh, Hector Herrera, Porto, Miguel León. Is it Seville now? Yeah. uh, Guardado.
1: Joe Corona. uh, Diego Reyes. But I think there is a a school of thought that basically, Liga MX is is quite rich. They've got a lot of money because it's a football-loving country and, and Mexico has a better economy than people think. So what you have is, is a league that can retain its best players. Yeah. Whereas other leagues in South America can't afford to. So the Mexican team is actually better than it should be. Oh, sorry. Mexican players are not as good as they should be because they are retained because the Mexican league is better than it should be and better than people realize. Yeah. Uh, What do we think about Nigeria? Because that is a talented squad.
0: Yeah. I mean, of the African teams, they're probably the best shot.
1: Yeah. We have them as the best African team.
0: uh, Of getting furthest in the tournament. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean they, they they did well in qualifying. I think um, I think they should they should definitely get through to the uh, round of sixteen. It's just when you get to that stage, it's who they're drawn against. we
1: well, have got Iceland,
2: Iceland, and Argentina in that group. I think they're quite interesting, Nigeria, because they've got more and more players who are either born in England to Nigerian parents or brought up in England, like guys like Ola Aina from Chelsea, Alex Iwobi, who we all know from Arsenal. Is Lukman playing for them? Um, no, Lukman's chosen to play for England, okay. but there's quite a few players of that kind of generation who've got the option of playing for Nigeria or have been talking to Nigeria. They've been trying to get Chuba pom Marcel Moses. as well, Vito Victor Moses, Moses, of course, yeah. we know about, um, which which is, I mean, I think it kind of helps out Nigeria as well because it gives them more players with that kind of like Premier League, Category 1 academy education.
1: Um, yeah, they've got some
2: and they've sh- I think I, I, yeah, talent. I, I think they could be a really dangerous team who you wouldn't want to play against.
1: Um, so that's the top sixteen. So what we'd expect to get through the group, but it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do the next sixteen. I um, will just let me see the end of Johnny's. So he's got a couple of different teams in that top sixteen that we had. He has um, mm, Russia in there. I guess because he assumes they're going to get refereeing decisions. Russia. <laughs> r- do we think Russia's results will outperform their actual ability? yes i'm sure they will by hook or by crook because it would be difficult to underperform the ability uh, <laughs> they are according to world ranking they're the worst team at the world cup worst ever host of the world cup world that's world not a record they'll hold for that long uh obviously given where the following world cup is um he's also got japan in the top 16. where do we stand on japan and um, they've got some really good players uh some actual actual talent you know like people who are really good on the ball and, and
2: can cause damage, there's but you never should go deep in this tournament. Yeah, there's more and more Japanese players who are kind of making a career of it, particularly in, in Bundesliga, where they're kind of where lots of German teams like yeah, yeah. how kind of naturally athletic and hard-working the players are.
1: And, and Takashi Inoue has done very well in La Liga as well. I mean, it's quite funny watching Aibahu, this little club, being followed around by a bunch of Japanese journalists because he's the only uh, Japanese player in La Liga. And that, you know, obviously it's a great marketing move for them, but he's actually probably. Been their best player the last few seasons. Um, I'll group the next bunches of teams because uh, we probably don't have super strong opinions. Seventeen to twenty-one: Serbia, Morocco, Sweden, Senegal. How do we, which ones do we like out of those? Which ones
2: too high, too low? Well, Serbia have got lots of good players. I mean, lot, lot, you know, lots of well-established Premier League players. A new generation of youngsters. I think they won the Under Twenty World Cup in twenty fifteen. Uh, so that's players like uh, Milos um the
1: Milinkovic Savic is, is yeah, the guy that the everyone thing.
2: really rates at Lazio right yeah the keeper at Maccabi Tel Aviv I think is Reykjavik. Okay. so they've got lots yeah they've got a l- as ever with Serbia the question is can they can they kind of organise that talent but they've got I think the they're difficult
0: to beat I think yeah yeah they're in qualifying they they were hard to break down. They're hard to get past. They're
1: often tipped as dark horses in these sorts of things, aren't they?
0: I think you could see them picking up a lot of draws. It's turning those draws into victories, which is going to be the next step for them at the World Cup.
1: Yeah, if if they if they've got an attacker who just has a good tournament, it's the sort of one where they could gatecrash the the knockout rounds. Morocco, uh, an expertise of yours, Jack.
2: Yeah, well, M- Morocco again are an interesting team in the sense that all their best players are French or rather were born in France, brought up in France, yes. to Moroccan parents. Yeah. Uh, but that means they've got guys like Mehdi Benatia, Sofian Bufal, uh, who are really, really good. And I think that in that's I think if they, I think they've got they've got Eve Renards as manager now, who's obviously been very, very successful in African international football over the years. Um, so yeah, I I I reckon Morocco could be pretty handy. They've got the players to play
1: nice football. Actually, you know, it's, it's going to be attacking football. It's not going to be some of these. The smaller nations are uh,
2: defensive reactive sides I think they could be a bit more proactive yeah I, I, I saw I basically I went to the final of Chan which is like African Nations Cup but for players who who are only, who play their club football in Africa and M- Morocco beat Nigeria I think four or five nil in the final in Casablanca a few months ago and they were playing really good football like they zipped it around really quickly they were very expansive they created lots of chances and these are guys who you know I think a handful of those players will get into the into Ewe Renard's 23 for the World Cup but there's an awful lot of talent there and and also like a kind of national commitment to good football, if you know what I mean.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Sweden, obviously, without Zlatan, even if he tries to come out of international retirement, um, there is some thought that they're, they're better since he retired. Senegal next, who've got a lot of good players based in, in, in England and based in uh,
0: France, but most notably, I guess, Sadio Mane. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, if you look across Africa, you've got the um, the one, maybe each team has one standout forward. Um, Mane, uh, he's got so much energy, but can he do it? I think the question is, can he do it by himself? Obviously at Liverpool, he's got his support act as well. And if, if they're playing on the counter, I guess that speed will be yeah, the size. That, that'll be something when teams come up against them, they'll have to keep that in mind because they're not going to dominate possession. But to have someone like Salah uh, sorry, uh, Marnie, Sadio Mane, yeah, yeah. If they had <laughs> um, Salah as well, it'd be quite Salah tempting. and yeah. as well. Uh, if they had they there, just on the last shoulder of a defender, then you've always got to be wary of that.
1: Quite a good destructive midfield as well. Uh, twenty-one to twenty-five. Iceland, Costa Rica, South Korea, Egypt, Peru. Any of those seem too low? Anyone going to say Iceland are too low?
2: Too Yeah, high. I'm sure. I'm sure Iceland are too low in the sense that so much of international football comes down to cohesion and experience and like can these basically like the big question for almost any team at the world cup is can this group of individuals play well as a team and iceland are one of the few teams who we know for absolutely certain can play well as a team and overperform like the aggregate of their talent Well, what i'd say is iceland and costa rica they 21 and
1: 22 are the two teams that most overperformed at the last two major international tournaments that that we watched and both did it by being solid defensively good at set pieces Uh, and good on the counter attack and uh, you know that's all it needs really at international football level to to get some sort of success um set pieces are massive yeah in in, in tournaments like this so for those reasons i would probably have iceland getting out of that group you would would you okay so you'd have iceland and nigeria switched basically uh 16 and 21 costa rica uh to repeat their heroics of brazil I'm not. I'm not going to assume that you've watched a lot of. Yeah, (laughs)
0: I'm not convinced. I I would agree with Jack though on Iceland that I think that if you look at your 2016, obviously you group them, Wales and Northern Ireland together as the surprise packages, but they're the only one of the three that actually managed to qualify for this World Cup, so they're actually still progressing.
1: They were dominant in qualifying, which suggested it was more than a one-off at that time. South Korea have one of your favorite players Jack Son heung yeah and Ki Sun-young who's and a great Ki-sun-yung, player um who if they can get lucky then South Korea could surprise a few people i mean
2: i, I think son is excellent um but Do you, you think it will be slightly harder for him in the world cup because he's used to he's basically used he's got to a good running supporting he's basically used to running in behind yeah uh, at his best against teams that play high up the pitch he's a really good counter attacker but i wonder whether in the World Cup, where so so many teams defend deep, uh, he might get a bit, a bit frustrated without having that same space to operate in. And he's going to be their main creator as well.
1: You know, it's going to have other players around him who can who can do something with the ball. You are getting into the realm of, of teams here that have one good player. Twenty four, Egypt, um, Mohamed Salah. I don't know if anyone's mentioned to you. If they live on Merseyside, they would probably <laughs> compare him to Messi fairly recently. Um, but Egypt, I've got twenty four. They've been brilliant in African competition. I mean, they won Afcon like. 20 times out of the last 25 or something ludicrous that that was a completely made up stat but they are very good on African soil but they haven't qualified for a World Cup in a long time interested to see how they are Peru um, I don't know if anyone has major thoughts on them Ricardo Gareca was very good with Velez for many years and now doing pretty well with Peru he's got some talent uh, but they're going to kind of be more about being organised I think Japan who Johnny had really high we've got a 26 Iran anyone
0: the Iranian Messi is the The, the Iranian out of Messi.
1: There. Australia, 28. Bad team.
0: Yeah, they're not great. Aaron Moy. Just changed their manager as well before a World Cup.
1: Anthony Postacoglu. Yeah, that was a bit of a mess, that one. 29, I've got Panama, but I think they are a complete unknown to most people. Fair to say? Yes. Uh, Tunisia, 30. Russia, 31. Uh, that's my anti Russian bars coming out of 32, <laughs> unfortunately. Saudi Arabia. Um, any disputes?
2: No, I agree with that order. Okay,
1: excellent. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I mean, y- you could watch the World Cup or you could just uh, listen to our power rankings. Uh, we'll probably go back and revisit those at some point. Um, the other thing we should revisit, Jack, is you sorted the competition the, for the Sevilla shirt on the last show. I did, <laughs> yep. But we have a new one. We have two books to give away. Uh, we have um, one book, which is uh, a signed copy of... Mauricio Pochettino's Brave New World, is it called? Yes. Brave New World autobiography uh, written uh, with Guillain Balaguet. That's signed. Um, And that, again, is the usual way. If you leave a review with us on iTunes. A nice review. um, (laughs) Any sort of review. uh, Who knows if the nice ones will have more chance of winning. Then that will be making its way to you shortly. Uh, We'll just pick one of them out of random. And we've also got Tom Williams' new book, which is called... The Language of Football, was it? I thought we were giving away Tony Evans's new book, Two Tribes. Uh, oh, I wanted to give away Tom's book as well. So
2: Is Tom's book f- out yet?
1: Yes. Tony Evans, Two Tribes. Uh, we had Tony on the podcast two weeks ago. We'll definitely give away a copy of that. And also Tom's book on the Language of Football. Uh, so we'll give those out over the next few weeks. Three books. So get reviewing um, to make sure that you're in with a chance. If you have any uh, disagreements with our power rankings, then please of course email us uh, our emails uh, not too difficult to work out um, if you've got any problems with the rankings obviously just request a refund um, until then thank you to Jack Austin thank you Ed uh, Jack Pitbrook any parting thoughts no thank you um, and thank you for joining us we'll be back next week when the Premier League will have returned uh, we'll be back on Tuesday because next week is Easter Monday but until then goodbye goodbye